If you are listening to this, you are listening to the first free hour of The Shift with Doug McKinty. For access to the full feature-length versions of the podcast, go to www.theshiftnow.com and subscribe for the audio version for just $6 a month. Access the full-length episodes in video form through rockfin.com by subscribing at the Shift with Doug McKinty landing page. For $9.99 a month, you gain access not only to The Shift, but also all other premium content material hosted on the platform. The Shift is also brought to you by Enagic Water Systems, providing crystal clear, ionized alkaline water straight from your tap, as well as the Freedom Era Network, delivering tools and information to help you build a successful online business. Find out more at www.theshiftnow.com backslash store. Detoxify your body, decolonize your mind, make the shift. Thanks for listening. Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. This interview was recorded on June 25th, 2021. Stay tuned for this 84th episode of The Shift, where I'm happy to announce my guest today is holistic health practitioner Amanda Vollmer. Not only is Amanda a doctor of naturopathic medicine, but she is also a registered Reiki practitioner, homeopathy expert, and is the author of the book Healing with DMSO. Her healing practice draws from a variety of health modalities, including Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, and a Western scientific background that allows her to view health and wellness utilizing a blend of integrative and materialistic perspectives, resulting in a unique methodology developed over years of study and practice. Amanda is well known for her big picture perspective and the ability to provide a spiritual context within which the larger forces in healthcare can be understood. Stay tuned as this conversation will dive deep into the cult-like fanaticism exhibited by the followers of the corporate allopathic system of medicine based on authority, hierarchy, and scientism, and provide a contrasting paradigm with a foundation of humility, individuation, and evidence-based scientific discovery. This discussion will include the spiritual side of health and provide valuable information for those who understand that holistic health requires personal responsibility and the discipline to detoxify and make healthy choices. For more information about the work of Amanda Vollmer, go to www.yummy.doctor. If you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast on your social media networks. We rely on listeners like you to grow our audience. For more information about The Shift with Doug McKinty, hours of free content, or sign up for the newsletter or subscribe for feature-length episodes of the show, go to www.theshiftnow.com. I'd like to thank Amanda Vollmer for agreeing to this interview, and thank you for helping to make The Shift. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this, the 84th episode of The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKinty. I'm joined today by Amanda Vollmer. She is a naturopathic doctor uh, and all-around rabble-rouser with this last year of COVID. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. I think we're going to talk a lot about health, but we're going to talk a lot about uh, some big-picture concepts as well. So thanks for coming on the show, Amanda. And do you want to just tell my audience a little bit about yourself in your own words? Sure. Thanks, Doug. Uh, great for being with you today. And, you know, despite everything that's going on, we still are continuing this conversation and trying to figure out how we're going to get out of this pickle. Yeah. Um, you know, my training goes goes way back. I 
actually haven't even advertised most of the certificates and things and extra work that I did because, you know, it was for my own growth. And, and uh, I, I, I mean, I learned applied kinesiology while I was in naturopathic colleges, uh, college, I was on the weekends there mm-hmm. taking extra work. And I was learning all kinds of different hands-on healing modalities. So I've got lots of different experiences there. And I was just really always curious about the, the health condition of the body, how it really works. And and fascinated by our history and fascinated by traditional medicine. So I wanted to learn more about all of these remedies that seem to come up through sort of folk medicine. Um, and, and every household or every culture had like a different subsection of, of things that they would use for all kinds of ailments. And so I got, you know, get a book for Christmas about herbs because you're interested and you start learning more and and uh, I wanted to always figure out chemistry as well, how alchemy works. Well, you know, when you put things together, you get a synergy. What is that about? Mm-hmm. And why I'm here, why we're here, the whole existential picture. And I think when you're constantly in existential <laughs> energies, you're always like asking that question that children ask, why? Like, right. Why are we here? What, what's the purpose of all of this? And that led me into all of the different studies and, and directions that I, I went to ultimately. Um, I don't actually use the term naturopathic doctor because uh, I'm not licensed uh, by the college, Kano, and uh, but I, I did graduate from the college and I started to practice after that. But unfortunately, the way it's gone is all of our institutions have been corrupted. And um, I saw that and I was really vocal about it and they didn't really like that. Uh, I was talking about it like that and trying to get naturopaths on board. And <laughs> yeah. It's so, challenging to buck the system, I know. Yeah. I had a similar experience at my local radio station. I used to volunteer here and do live radio. And uh, I started speaking out for freedom of speech because essentially the the non-NPR types were not being given, you know, uh, their fair shake, I felt like. And uh, it's just so fascinating, actually, how institutions and organizations can can really passive aggressively, I think, push push alternative voices aside while pretending to be virtuous but when you stand up against it and you and you try to fight it it is exhausting and it is very challenging um why don't you discuss a little bit more about that i mean i've heard you talk about the the licensing issue and how licenses can be used to um uh, used almost as punishment uh, against doctors or healthcare practitioners or really across the board. It's one of the ways that governments silence people that have uh, different perspectives. Um, and so, you know, maybe just talk about your experience with, with being licensed or how you feel about it, and then uh, contrast that maybe with the, the whole concept of healthcare freedom and how people you know, we could live in a world where we can all choose the kind of healthcare that we want and how to take care of ourselves as adults, right? <laughs> yes. Well, we've been sold structures. We've been sold institutional ideas mm-hmm. that there's people that are better than other people, which, you know, fine. There are people who are trained in certain things and they want to have their own group and they want to talk amongst themselves about the things they've studied and they want to honor each other with certificates and trophies and do that kind of thing. That's fine. But when it comes down to now having governing boards that are not um, elected uh, people um, directing or steering the movement of that body of politic of those people in a direction for their own uh, aims or for other uh, negative um, effects, 
then we have a problem. And so because these are the way they're set up is to be corrupted, they're easily corruptible. And how do we set up something that cannot be corrupted? That's really the question, uh, whether it comes to a government body or any other community organization where you're having a bunch of people come together with different viewpoints, different ideologies, different different backgrounds, whatnot. How do you come to a common ground where you're actually trying to all uh, be fair and balanced and integrity all the time and have proper communication? So we don't have that. We have institutions that have their directive. And then there's hierarchy even above that, that if they, you know, jump through X, Y, Z hoop, then they'll get a kickback. Or, you know, we want one of our people on the board, like as through the Rockefeller system, right? If you mm-hmm. you have our people there, then guess what? We'll buy you all the fancy toys for your expensive buildings and all the things like you get perks when you belong in the cult, right? So this is how they've usurped. Um, all of our institutions, very, very turtle-like, very slow, insidiously, you know, uh, millimeter by millimeter kind of action, because then you don't really notice it's the whole boiling frog principle, right? And and it's corrupted it. And you don't notice until it's just like your child is growing before you and you don't always notice it until like one day they were away at camp or something and they come home and like, whoa, you know, that's changed. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and And that's what's happened to pretty much most of these institutions that have especially licenses because then they can use that to threaten you and to coerce you. So if you don't behave, you don't say what they want you to say, or you don't not say what they don't want you not to say, then guess what? You get in trouble and you, your livelihood, the bread and butter that you bring home to feed your family is threatened. And that's a survival instinct that that gets turned on. And then those people become obedient. And that's what we're seeing on mass right now. Uh, as well, you know, just uh, I'll do what you say so I can have some semblance of my freedom back, even if it's a warped version of it. And that's just not the way to continue to thrive and have a functioning, uh, healthy society. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, even this concept of corruption, actually, maybe we can delve into that a little bit deeper. I guess it would be the entrapment by by a handful of people sort of at the top of the pyramid, I guess, that prevents uh, many of the individuals, you know, on on down uh, in the hierarchical structure from from being able to express themselves authentically. I don't know, you know, what are you is that does that sound right to you? I mean, what are your feelings about corruption in general versus authenticity, maybe and, and then how it's impacted the healthcare field in general? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I think it's embedded in the way that our culture has been, you know, heading, which is uh, money talks and um, mm-hmm. the hedonism, um, the lack of uh, self-responsibility, um, the lack of connection to creator and what's sacred here um, and right. all kinds of other aberrations that have happened over a period of time, like we've degraded the family unit, we've degraded uh, the community uh, activities, we've degraded all kinds of, of behaviors just from the internet being what it is and how it's developed. Um, all kinds of, you know, sort of sickness is, is, is triumphed rather than looked at it as it's something warped uh, because we're, we've been sold this like leftist Frankfurt school Marxist sort of thinking, which is a, a, you know, rooted in communism, but it's a very strange 
way of, of, of offsetting your own uh, work that you need to do on yourself and self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it's a pass the buck system. Right. And I think that's what gives you corruption is when you keep passing the buck off to somebody else for the crap that you, you know, did. Sure. And if you don't want to clean up your own doo-doo, then you either have to hide it or you, you blame it on someone else. So it's like, a, it's like we haven't grown up as a culture as children running around um, flinging poo at each other and trying to gaslight every, you know, the other person. And totally, I, I think we're just spiritually still not where we would like to be, <laughs> or we've degraded far from where we used to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, speaking of adulting, one of the things I've heard you say in an interview recently was um, that you've kind of almost come full circle. And and the reason why it really piqued my interest is because I've been going in the same direction here where uh, psychology has become uh about as important a topic to study in the current crisis that we're all, I think, in the midst of, um, just to try to understand what's going on. I mean, for years, I spent years, and my background's in philosophy, Western philosophy, and then I've done uh, Tai Chi, and and I've learned uh, a little bit about indigenous culture and and indigenous thinking over the last 20 years or so. But um, but I kind of came at it from this point of view that, uh, you know, if I could learn philosophy, then I could, you know, I could figure out how to argue well enough to, to discover truths and convince other people. Uh, and then, I mean, especially as COVID came on, it was like, it didn't matter what you said. And people don't listen. They don't hear. It doesn't matter how quality your research is, the primary sources that you put in front of their face. They'll accuse you. I mean, I, you know, uh, I've been accused of having cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias. And I had to, you know, look into these things and go, well, maybe I was open minded to it. And then I, but I had to come to the conclusion that I think that it's these people, you know, that are having these issues. And, and then just getting into the psychology of it all uh, has allowed me to um, have a much clearer picture of, of what's really happening and what's going on. So, do you want to explain? in your experience, how that's happened to you as well, and how psychology helps to shape uh, your approach to what's happening these days? Well, yeah, it's very important. And it's interesting that I, you know, didn't really learn as much in the scholastic system, because I was, I had to do a lot of the hard sciences and focus on on that. Mm -hmm. And I also was trying to juggle some of the arts as well. And there was no room for, I did quite a bit of philosophy, but I didn't do enough sociology. And I only did a hand, like maybe one class a year of psychology that I needed to do. But right. then I went off on my own. I mean, I, I stayed more Jungian, you know, psychology. Um, I, Freud was a quack to me, like, as far as I'm concerned. Right. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I think I, most of us gravitate towards Jung <laughs> if yeah. we're going to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting is when I started to piece together the behaviors of, of groups of people and, and, and then comparing them to cults, Mm-hmm. and studying the psychology inside cults, that was when it really all started to click for me a lot more. Right. Because um, I was, I had a friend who um, was uh, involved, his wife left him and his son and joined a, a, the 12 tri- tribes cult. Right. And I was, I was just, I, I couldn't believe someone would leave their, okay, maybe you leave your husband, I get it, but to leave your child, your son, like, I just was like, that's warped. I got to understand what happened here mm-hmm. and uh so i started to try to understand it and in, in doing so it helped me see there that everything's kind of run this way <laughs> it's just different right. you know goals or it's more subtle or not you know 
Yeah, this was going to be my next lead in, actually, because I've heard you discuss, you know, basically the, the scientific framework. But even more than that, I think people's relationship with government is very cult like. Uh, and we're seeing all the symptoms of people who are members of a cult in terms of, you know, just following the authority figure, following the cult leaders, uh, not being able to uh, think critically, doubting what the leaders are saying, and then coming to their own conclusions uh, about important decisions, about personal health care decisions in the case of what we're dealing with with COVID and all of this. Um and then I'm looking at the mainstream media as almost like the the cult, the gaslighting aspect of it all, where they'll they'll take certain truths but hide others, and people don't get a complete picture. But then the the vast majority of people just ingest the information from the mainstream media, and they don't doubt it, and they and then they do what they're told. And it's it's fascinating the parallels. I think mm -hmm. I think calling it a cult is is highly accurate. Mm -hmm. um, well, when you see those structures, right? I mean, you can I, I actually. I haven't published the book, but I had to write them out. Like I, I listed them off. Actually, when Sally El Cordy was alive, I did a radio show, a couple of radio shows with her, but one was specifically about comparing and contrasting the the cult, um, the medical establishment with true cool. cultism. And that the comparison was quite striking. And there are, of course, hierarchies. And you also have the instead of the dynamic um ego that's at the head or the helm you have more of an institutionalized structure like a board um, mm -hmm. of, of, a, of a bunch of people that takes place of that, say, that sensationalist leader. Um, Even but still, still, we have like our Dr. Fauci here in the United yep. States that, that could be, you know. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You'll still have the faces that present it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that those can be put on pedestals and that sort of thing, right? And it doesn't even matter, of course, if they make mistakes because – the illusion uh, is is spun for those people that those they can do no no harm or no wrong, um, and once they have the cult of personality put in place, then that's really what they follow forward. And and people are there's a part of a lot of people that is is very loyal. Um, and once you've embedded yourself in a cause or in a belief system, um, you're you've dedicated um, what James True will say calories into it. You know, you've mm -hmm. put energy into that belief, or you, you know, put time into it so that you um, you don't want to lose your resource of what you did. And you definitely, if you haven't done the ego work, you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to have to backtrack and go, my goodness, I did all that work and it was for naught. And it's a lot of people have a hard time uh, accepting or swallowing their mistakes. And I talk about that quite a bit because I, that's why I say we have to be comfortable with being okay to be wrong, okay to have made mistakes. Yeah. Um, and I think in part, it's how we rear our children is to punish them when they make mistakes rather than teach them why the mistake happened and what's to be learned from it. And right. um, so again, we have this inner wounded child problem that hasn't been addressed by really poor parenting, uh, improper, um, even all the way from uh, conception through is uh, been traumatized uh, by the medical establishment. And I think that was by design as well. Um, so now here's the result. We're seeing generations of traumatized children in their adulthood uh, still acting out as children and play acting in this uh, soap opera and trying to get their needs met and they're so disconnected from their shadow self or their subconscious mind that they're just trying to get mommy or daddy to pay attention to them and they'll take any cult leader that'll do you know right 
Yeah, and the and the government just presents itself. I mean, not only does it present itself there to to fill that void, but through public education and and through, I mean, they're actually a part and parcel of the whole uh, trauma based. I mean, they're essentially raising the kids in the public schools, and the public schools have institutionalized this shaming or or guilting that's going on. Uh, that then perpetuates this cycle of this trauma bond, I think, uh, to the government. It makes so much sense. You know, once once I once I made this leap into this world of psychology and started figuring this out, it was like, oh, this is why people can't get it. It's, it's classic trauma-based mind control, and it's mm-hmm. very clearly exactly how the, the system functions and was built and created to perpetuate this cycle so that there's people on top and then the, and then the rest of us who will follow what they what they say all they have to do is frighten us into into triggering that that trauma uh and then everyone is just in a in a in a place where they can't think critically uh and they're going to be compliant and they're going to do what they're told and they're going to think it's virtuous to do what they're told it's it's fascinating yeah that's what we're seeing and so it's a good um real-time study (laughs) right Lots of thesis papers could come. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and maybe uh, we can talk, and I'd like to get into your own personal, um, you know, your belief system about health, of course, and wellness. But um, since we're kind of still on the topic of how the the mainstream is functioning, we can talk a little bit about this concept of scientism, because this is almost like the religion um, and, and I and I will view it as like the a patriarchal religion. I I, I kind of like to use that that um, the, those terminologies. I guess patriarchal versus matriarchal thinking and that kind of thing. When I think about how people think and how societies are organized and stuff, and then mm-hmm. and and this idea of scientism is almost uh, you know where science has kind of replaced God, but it still has the same characteristics in terms of what the scientists say are true. These guys in the white lab coats and, and everybody else just kind of gets fed the information and told, do what the experts say. Um, so do you want to talk about that or scientism as an approach to, to looking at the world as a, as opposed maybe to, to what you do, which I, I would consider you, you think of yourself as a scientist, but, but, you know, what's different about, you know, authentic science versus scientism, I guess would be my question. Yeah. And the scientism uh, is sold as an ideology. That's the difference. It's sold as a religious dogma. Um, So it's based actually on belief and that's the irony to it. Right. Um, I do consider myself a true scientist, not in what people are sold as what, you know, the, um, the icon is of scientism is that somebody has to wear a white lab coat and be a nerd and be in the laboratory that that's somehow science to me that's scientism that's that's sold to you as a marketing idea um, but real yeah. science anybody and everybody can do uh, really you just have parameters to what you're trying to observe properly in the natural world and make um, alterations to that to get feedback from your changes and to characterize it appropriately without bias, which means you have to go in very, very open-minded without judgment. I don't even think the idea of a hypothesis is really a pure scientific approach because if you come in already deciding uh, your hypothesis, which they shove down our throats in school, you do not do science without a hypothesis. That yeah. is it. You, you can have multiple ones, but you better come in with one. And I, after a while, I thought, I think that already biases you because you 
as back to psychology, you want to be right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if you're already coming in biased, you've got to be very careful uh, because as we know from the double slit experiment, you can change the outcome of the, t- of the uh, experiment by the way you feel and the way that you have in your belief system, uh, you know, what you're holding. And so we have to keep all those things in mind. So when I want to go figure out something outside, you know, and I need evidence and I'll take my, my zoom camera or I'll, I have a, I bought my own microscope. So yes, I can, I can look at the blood, the living blood, you know, under the microscope and see, is this person actually inflamed or not? Or am I, you know, and I've done that enough times that over, over a period of the ex- examples or experiences, you can say, that's the repeater notion to science, right? That you can say again, and again, when I see someone who presents in this way, with these symptoms, I know they're inflamed. And I've proven it to myself by taking the blood and looking under the microscope. And again and again, it's the same rouleau or it's the same spiking of the blood, which is damaged. And that's telling me, you know, that they're inflamed. And 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 so this is science to me. This is, you know, and I I do obviously have more clinical science and there's different branches and you can get it all into the labeling and all that nonsense. But that gets down into problems again where you're still trying to divide the elephant up into all these different pieces and then study them separately. And mm-hmm. when we're talking holism, you need to try to have your intuition intact as well as your cognitive logical abilities. And that is where scientism came in is that the logic becomes, um, as you said, like the patriarchal sort of aspect, linear. It's yeah. a very linear way of thinking. And that's not what it's actually there's a dance to it that you have to have a feedback system inside of yourself as well because you're the observer there's no there's not an ai system present it's you and so you're involved with that reality and that matters that's part of the whole science um so everyone is a scientist is they're observing a uh, an ant um carrying a, another you know ant away or something you're observing science you know right there because right there in your pure mind is going, wow, that ant can carry its own weight <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> um, away. That's, that's pretty incredible. That tells me some, all kinds of information about that ant and its capabilities. You must have a strong exoskeleton and da, 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 right? So we've complicated the situation to a point where we feel like we can't know those things. Therefore, we have to hand them off to these white coat people who go into their secret little rooms and they're the ones who know it. So they're the only ones who can tell us about it. And then the scientism comes in as the blind faith, as a, like a religious dogma where we just take it and, or leave it, you know, um, but that's considered science. And, and then all of the rest of the structures, you know, the court systems and all the school systems and uh, the healthcare systems, they're all rallying around that as this, you know, pure gold kind of standard mm-hmm. that that's it. And you can't question it. And that's, that's the problem with the. That's why I say it's like a cult because you can't question cults. You can't say, well, you know, we noticed that you're, you used, you manipulated the uh, science that you did by using specific statistics and there's statisticians that can make your, your pure science or whatever your observed results are look one way or the other by manipulating data and so right there that that's not scientific there was a study actually done that showed that over 50 percent of the published studies that exist are uh, fallacious they're they're mistaken right 
So we have a problem in our science. <laughs> yeah. And that's the scientism. Right. I mean, they're having what they call it the reproducibility crisis now where they can't, uh, they can't reproduce most of the papers that have been published because for one, whatever, one reason or another, they've been tweaked and, and maybe just because there's a different person who's doing the experiment, but they can't reproduce the same, uh, the same, uh, results following the same procedures that are in these published papers which means that where you know where's the objectivity that they say exists if they can't replicate uh you know the science that they've done but i think this is the most fascinating thing is that you know i, I think um you probably agree with this but I, and i feel like science is a, a process and really a personal process like we all have to make choices for ourselves really and we should all have you know, our own connection with our feelings and our critical thinking faculties so we can make these choices for ourselves. And what scientism seems to ask is that we give up participating in this process ourselves up to these quote unquote authorities or these experts. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's actually kind of sad to me. Like most people don't think that they have the ability to engage in science, at least to, you know, in, in critical thinking. I think maybe science and critical thinking are kind of, I mean, science is just a process whereby we apply critical thinking to a situation, you know, so we can make a rational choice. Um, and it's just so strange to me, I think, that we live in this culture that really is asking the vast majority of people to just let go of their critical thinking. Don't participate in this process of science, but trust the scientist, this outside authority that's that's going to make all of your choices for you. Uh, it's really, really dangerous, I think. I mean, I think that's what we've seen this last year is, is the danger of this kind of this religion or this cult mentality where people aren't thinking for themselves and they're just doing whatever the the guys in the in the white lab coats say yeah and it's it's dangerous in a, a lot of different ways but i think it comes from you know there's the the seven deadly sins and these sorts of things right mm -hmm. one of them is sloth and um and we've got um given a lot of toys to the children the children have had all of these video games and uh, devices and distractions and shows and TV shows and the culture has been degraded away from books and mm -hmm. away from, I remember going into used bookstores. It was one of my favorite things to ever do Yeah, and to find these old books and bring them home and just rifle through them. And my whole weekend would just be, I'd have like 10 or 15 books open at one time. And I'd be bouncing around to all of them and learning deep knowledge and that's gone. They've taken away uh, our access to that in our own, our own edification, our own choices of what we can learn and how, and now it all has to be on some device, which is very different than a tactile book and the smell of it and the whole process of it and the way that you learn. Uh, so I think they've taken away through um, the school system and through tech, the way that we actually gather information and that's degraded us. And and also it's frustrating, I'm sure. And also if you don't have research skills, if you don't know how to sift and you don't know how to discern through information, right. and especially with information overload, you get overloaded. And then it's easier to say, hey, you guys do it. Fine. You said you do it. <laughs> cool. Yeah. You go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm over here having a beer. All right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that kind of goes back to what we're talking about uh, corruption before. I think it's difficult for the average person. They're willing to trust that CNN is doing that job for them or that the doctor is doing that job for them. And it takes a lot of effort to try to figure it out 
and make your own choices and sift through the, the overwhelming amount of information. And so people just end up trusting the system and they don't realize the system has been corrupted or they can't believe that it's been corrupted. And, uh, and we just find ourselves in these situations like, like uh, this last year, which really it has been phenomenal um, to bear witness to the amount of social control these people uh, have been able to implement with just the idea of a virus. Um, I guess maybe we could segue into your concept of, of health and human health, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about that, but maybe we could use this as a segue and just describe, like, I mean, how did they use the virus? I mean, we, we've gotten in decades and decades of, of inculcating people with this belief in the viral theory, first of all, and then, you know, suddenly coming up with this pandemic and being able to magnify the, the amount of uh, cases or creating this case-demic. I mean, all of the ways that they've manipulated the statistics, as you referred to uh, earlier, to, to make this happen. And um, I mean, why don't you just give us your perception of, of like how this has happened and, and how this was even possible to happen in terms of so many people being able to fall for uh, something like this in mass and then essentially allowing themselves to, to live in a totalitarian society uh, over the last 15, 16 months or so without raising a peep. It's actually, it's been so mind blowing for me. Uh, to see the lack of debate and, and the willingness, you know, they took our right of assembly, they, they took so many individual rights, and not so much as a peep or even a desire by the vast majority of people to have a debate about what was going on or be transparent about it. It's just, they were scared and they did what they were told. Yeah, they had the perfect um, uh, plan, really, to make sure that the population was dulled down enough so they wouldn't even want to fight. They would like it. They would be brainwashed into liking their servitude. And they've spoken of that World Economic Forum, all these John Hopkins, all these one, the purveyors of the lie. Uh, they, you know, talk about this sort of thing. Like, you'll like it. You won't own anything and you're going to like it. You know, yeah. you're going to like the Chinese style commun uh, you know, communitarianism or whatever. And, and yeah. You're going to still work your ass off and get nothing for it, actually. Right. This time. <laughs> so you can't get ahead. You won't own land. You can't grow your own food. You're not allowed to do that. And that's where they want to move it towards. And that's under the UN Agenda 21, which is under the fake climate change hoax. And they've got all these stories they've been pushing out for decades and decades and decades. And the main culprit, of course, is the magic box that everybody has in their home like a, like a throne. Yeah, uh, they put themselves willingly. They pay actually a lot of money to put themselves willingly in front of programming. Uh, that to me, that alone to me, shocked me about humanity. That they would willingly and pay good money mm -hmm. <laughs> to to brainwash themselves on, on you know. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, right. I mean, Hollywood has been t taken. Music industry has been taken. They've used every single one of their celebrities that are in their cult to promote the same lie. So everybody's being as consistent as possible with the lie and people grow up with it. If you, if you're a child and you grow up with that lie, you don't know what any difference. It's the Plato's cave situation. What are you going to, how are right. you going to work your way through that? If you, if you're in an echo chamber of the same lie on every angle that you look at where, and, and everything else is censored, where are you going to go and find a conversation like what we're having? You know, you got to seek it. You have to be able to think there's something more. 
Uh, and these people have been fluoridated to a point where they're, and they're sick. I mean, they've been get shot up with stuff and antibiotic since a child, uh, which destroys your, their guts. And once their guts are destroyed, they can't think. All they can do is, is hope to finish the day alive, you mm -hmm. know? that's where they're at or they're in poverty. And so it's just a survival struggle. Um, and we're the ones actually with some uh, ability to even have any time to do what we're, we're doing. Um, and we, ha and that's why I feel it's a duty to do, you know, to, I, I do at least two, two to three interviews a week and it's not stopping, you know, because we have to try to sort it out, wake as many as possible if we get our percentage right, we'll be able to stop what's coming or at least when it comes hard, survive through it um, while the deluge continues mm -hmm. um, and then see what we've got at the end of it. But um, I, <laughs> that's where I, I mean, that's where I'm at with all of this really is just um, we get up each day <clears throat> and we do our best, right? And we're trying to get through this in one piece. And that's why I talk a lot about holistic health, because if you can't think, how are you supposed to get out of this situation? You know, right. you're going to be beholden to them. They've worked at the magic TV box in these people's heads for a long time. And it's work to get out of it. And if you don't have the energy to do it, you're just going to go with the flow. And that's not a good direction where that flow is, is going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny, you know, I kind of came into this kicking and screaming myself, actually, I, uh, I guess I had my doubts early on, feeling like, uh, you know, like my family life could have been a little bit happier. And I was like, why, why can't, why can't, don't people just fix this? You know, <laughs> like, why does everybody just pretend like everything's normal? Um, but you do get raised inside, at least I was raised inside of that box. And, um, you know, just even coming to the realization that things like vaccines don't make very much sense. Um, and then I actually kind of was kicking and screaming. I, I would do a lot of research with the mainstream media because it was so difficult for me to believe that, you know, at all the journalists and all the corporations or whatever were, were all towing the same line and they weren't doing, you know, their, their own research or they weren't figuring it out. And I actually got to a place where I was flipping back and forth between, say, a, an independent journalist that was saying one thing and then the CNN article. And I was looking for their source material to figure out which guy had the, had the most, you know, the, the best argument or the most, you know, the most solid primary sources or where they were coming from, who was doing the best kind of research, you know. And now I look back and it's almost funny, like all that work that I did, because to me now, of course, from my point of view, it's so obvious that like the way they roll these things out and the way everybody gets influenced by it. But I understand how challenging it is. Um, and so I guess, you know, I would ask you, you know, maybe you could kind of describe your own process, actually, um, uh, of awakening or maybe how you were raised or what was going on. And then we can get into um, potentially how to help others to kind mm -hmm. of see, to see the light as well. Well, you know, I was always really, really sensitive and really in tune with my environment and very clairvoyant at a young age. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a really big leap for me to, to go through some of the things and, and see life the way I was, you know, seeing it. Um, I had a lot of mystical experiences and things and, 
Right. You really didn't have anyone to sort of co- collaborate with about that. Um, and the child believes what the child sees. And because um, we don't have that, we don't doubt that much. If we're not traumatized as children, why would we doubt it? We just believe what we see, right? Yeah. Um, so I had that pure, that pure filter with me. And I cool. knew the world was energy at, at a young age. I just knew. And I also knew that I was placed here and I knew that there was more than just this life. And I remembered some of my past lives and I, you know, I I already came in with that. I didn't have to study it or whatnot. So I think that gave me a boost, um, you know, earlier. And then um, when I was in my twenties, I had a a Kundalini awakening um, experience, which is extremely intense and, um, I don't know if I want to recommend it. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know if you need it to awaken or not, but it certainly propelled me forward really quickly and almost annoyingly to others because when <laughs> you are one way to them, people expect you to stay the way that they paint you. They don't like when you change. Um, and, and it's so ironic because of all the adages and things that you're told is that to be who you are and and be better, you know, and improve yourself. But then when you do, you lose your friends because they don't right. like the new you because it right. doesn't fit into their belief system of what you were, right? So that was really a big change for me. That was in 2000. Uh, I was actually in California where you are mm-hmm. uh, in Delzura and uh, there's a Madre Grande monastery there. And it's a non-denominational type of monastery. Cool. So that was really profound for me. Um, I saw what this place was on another level. Um, and then I delved into different, um, spiritual practices after that as well, because I really wanted to perfect meditation and I'm like, Whoa, what's inside of me that I could do that. I need to access that. I think it's important. I know for me, you know, I've done Tai Chi for a long time. And again, I'm so stubborn (laughs) that it was kicking and screaming to, to like, you know, and I just, I think I just had some faith that these like entire cultures would not be built on superstition. Like they try to tell us, oh, you know, and so there must be something to this idea of having an energy body. So it took me a long time, but I finally, I'm like slowly, but surely I, I believe that like, okay, you know, I can feel, I can do this form. I can do this meditation. I can actually feel, the energy body and the channels in the traditional Chinese system. And I can see that, it, that this is actually real and, and coming to that was, I mean, that's a big part of it, I think is just realizing that there, it, it is an energy system. It's so strange mm-hmm. that we're raised to be a hundred percent materialistic mm-hmm. and then to pretend like all the other cultures in the world were just, you know, had no idea what that was just mythology. That was just superstition. Like really, you, you know, <laughs> You think it's every flipped. other culture in the world, you know, just <laughs> made stuff up for thousands of years until a couple of white guys in white lab coats came around and said, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a peak of arrogance, really. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, we what we had, what we lost, we we it breaks my heart what we lost, you know. Yeah. Um, and we 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 wouldn't have ever been this sick. Uh, if we had not fallen from grace or whatever has, you know, come over us here in this end of this epoch that we're in, which maybe, maybe this is, I, I do tend to see it like a big, gigantic healing crisis, a real messy one. Yeah, you know? that makes a lot of so, sense. Yeah, where we can't suppress that shadow 
self anymore. Yeah. So the monsters come out to play and we play act that part out until it's clear, until it's fully expressed. And that's one thing I knew there were, there are laws to this place. I know there are laws to this place. And I make sure that if that, if I get smacked around enough, I realize that's a law and I'm going to try to adhere to that. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Like I said, I've been pretty stubborn, so I know what it feels yeah, like. You get smacked hard then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm very determined. I've always been a determined creator of things. I always wanted, I was an artist to begin with. I wanted to always make stuff. I always had a strong drive to, to, to create things. And, uh, so I would, I would always come up, you know, where I was stuck on something and, oh, I would just be so stubborn at it just to keep and keep on it. And, and then I realized one of the laws is if that's not, if, if it's, you're working at it and you're getting frustrated and it's not moving forward, then it's simply not the time to do it. Yeah. You simply walk away and you're going to come back again. And that's, and then it's swift and beautiful. Right. So that was one of the laws. Another one is you don't boast. My gosh. And that's a real hard thing to do. And it definitely keeps you humble. One of the things I, I learned early on is I was so excited when I would help someone with their health. I, w- I was just giddy about it. I mm. mean, especially as a new practitioner, it's like such an amazing feeling, right? That you really, really fundamentally help someone and your ego eats that shit up. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, mean? I, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to really get hone in, in on that stuff. And so I would just go and blab off. You know, I wouldn't talk about who it was or anything bad. Like I did this and that. Oh, and it would undo all my work. It would just ruin right. everything. <laughs> and so I learned just zip it. <laughs> yeah. You know, God sees that's enough. You don't need the accolades. That's not how this place works. Just right. keep your head <laughs> down and get her done, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you learn eventually. You're meant to learn. And this is this is the, the challenge that we're seeing. These people have just not learned. They're not learning, you know. Like, can you not see it when it's so smacking you down? You right. still can't see it. And that's meaning that the incarnation will end for them because the whole point to being here is to learn and to grow and to, to rebalance. So if you're not doing the work and you're just uh, passing the buck, mm-hmm. you're out, right? Try again, game over, <laughs> right. start at the beginning, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, I don't know. So, you know, when you're raised in this patriarchal materialistic system, it's so difficult to break out of it. And, um, and it is, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, and I've done this to myself. I mean, I guess that is how you learn about making those mistakes over and over and over again until you realize how difficult it is actually to make some of these fundamental changes. Um, but humanity is at a place, it seems, where we really need to do it. I guess um, I want I want to I want to make this segue into uh, your idea of health and and detoxing and. Um, and, um, y- you know, actually how that helps, I think it helps people to, to clarify and then be able to see more clearly what's actually going on. But maybe we could take a, a second to just finish up in this, this sort of patriarchal system in terms of how 
I guess I've gotten to a, a place where I think that, you know, the mass of us are actually, this knowledge has been kept from us. I think the guys that are at the top of the pyramid, if you will, I mean, they understand about the energy body and maybe even uh, the, the spirit world, and they may be inter interacting with these other forces uh, that all of us could have access to. And that in all these other cultures, as we discussed, they've always known about these you know, alternative ways of knowing and thinking about the world. And they've employed them, you know, to, to promote health and to have a vibrant, strong, healthy culture. Um, but in this day and age, so many of us, I think, raised in this materialism, we're actually raised ignorant of all this on purpose, because if we had that knowledge, this would be self-empowering for us. And that's exactly what, if we were self-empowered, then we wouldn't be working for them, right? <laughs> that's right. And also traveling, you know, they've closed the borders and so forth. Mm. Um, I think for a, a number of reasons, first of all, tourists take pictures and they don't want that, you know, getting out. But also, you know, one of the things that really shaped me was putting on a backpack and saying, I'm going to, I'm in between school. Yeah. I'm going to go see the world. Right. And when you see the world, you're like, whoa, okay. Uh, whoa, I live in a bubble. Um, this is not how the rest of the world operates. Yeah. There are so much more to learn about this, whatever we are, wherever the heck we are. And it humbles you and it changes your mindset, especially in youth, as to what you think reality is. And if you don't get that, I noticed that people who, you know, in my hometown, they just never left, you know, ever. Or maybe go to like a resort in Cuba for two weeks. That's not what I mean by traveling. I mean, really traveling. Right. They, they don't have a a real beat on this place, you know? And so I think that's part should be part of a natural education system is to travel and to see other places, other cultures and expose yourself to all kinds of different stimuli to, to become more humble and to realize there's wisdom and there's history that's mm. not lining up with what we were told in school and you want to dive deeper and the mystery is there and to be, want using the mystery to propel you into wanting to learn that desire to learn i hadn't yeah i hadn't really thought about that but it seems like in every authoritarian regime right i mean the, one of the first things they do is they shut off travel and it's like because they don't want people to know there's a world that they're not getting you know through that tv set or mm -hmm. through through controlled they have to control all the information all the input that you're going to get and if you're allowed to travel freely you know, kind of puts the kibosh on that. That's really fascinating to think about. Absolutely. So that means we have to do the opposite because that's our that's our freedom, right? And we also just have to continue to not consent as much as they're trying to make it very difficult to move around what they're doing. Uh, they're trying to capture as many as possible into this cult. Uh, mm. But this, this is not a war for the weak. This is the ones who are strong must you know, prove themselves in a way to become the outcast, to be the outcast. I've always felt like I was the outcast anyway, so I'm used to it. I'm, there's right. no problem. I hear you. <laughs> um, but it's, but for many, it that's a very a fundamental threat to be, you know, away from your tribe or away from what you knew. Um, and I think also traveling helps you shake that up where you could go anywhere and find a tribe. You could go anywhere and find a social setting that worked for you. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's other places in the world that you didn't even know that feels more like home. When I went to India, 
especially the first time I felt like I came home. I felt a home sense inside of my body. Like this is, I know here, this is, this is a familiarity. I never thought I would know the smells, everything. Yeah. You know, how would you know that looking online at pictures of India or something, you know, you wouldn't. So uh, there's other places that have called me deeply that I haven't attended to yet because I think they're for later on, but you know, it's, I know their games. And if you understand how a sociopath, you know, operates, then you just make sure that you protect yourself. If they're going to cut off food, we know they're going to, they're doing that. They're damaging farmers. They're going to up prices. Scarcity is part of their game plan. Right. So then think ahead and, and don't be in that. Don't catch yourself off guard where you're not having enough food. (laughs) Think plan ahead and you'll be fine. And that's where we're, we're, we've been working on for a number of years. So. Yeah, it's challenging, actually, to make these lifestyle changes um, because it's so much a part of our conditioning, I think, to just be able to go to the grocery store even. And and things that should be simple, these sim- simple changes are not always the easiest things to do, I guess, is, is uh, uh, another lesson that can be learned. But we have to we have to be able to kind of step it up here because as things heat up, like you're talking about, I mean... Uh, we don't. We can't get caught off guard if the food supply runs out, um, or the myriad of other opportunities that they have. I mean, the other the the economy that they control at this point. The the you know if gasoline runs out or if hyperinflation sets in, all of these things seem to be right on the horizon. So, mm-hmm. why don't we um why don't we then make the make the transition into talking about personal health? Maybe we could start with the connection between health and awareness. I think in terms of people awakening, I think that the system does a lot to dull our senses and keep us asleep basically between the vaccines and the the toxic pharmaceutical drugs and the gmo foods and the fluoride and the water and everything else i mean it's a constant battle uh where they're trying to basically i think create a a perpetual brain fog for everybody that's in existence so that they're incapable of of just having the clarity of thought to see what's going on so um you know, do you want to describe, I guess, uh, your feelings about these connections and, and how detoxifying can can raise that level of awareness and help to awaken people? Yeah, it's a, it's a really important point that you raise because they do dull our senses while they mine our emotions. And those mm-hmm. are actually different things. Right. Um, and having your sensories, you know, your, your um, inner senses, right, because you have the outer ear. Then you have the inner ear. So there's the outer eye, the inner eye, this sort of thing. And when you get into the still silence of your inner world, you can you can feel that. You, you, but you have to actually do that. You have to stop the stimulation mm-hmm. and the distraction to do it. And most people are either told it's evil, like you know, in Christianity, they're told all this stuff is evil to keep those people away from it, um, or it's labeled like New Agey or something like that. Um, or you have superficial, you know, people in yoga and, you know, movement, not probably right. actually teaching yoga. <laughs> They're just yeah. doing exercises. We, we, um, get, we get that in Tai Chi for sure as well. I know what you mean. Well, yeah. they actually, the, they have an old saying, just waving your arms and legs in the air, right? <laughs> Instead of actually doing Tai Chi. <laughs> exactly. You, and you it's don't funny. I did, right. 
Yes. And uh, I wanted to mention when you mentioned Tai Chi is that was actually my my only real martial art that I was drawn to. Mm-hmm. And I did that when I was a teenager. Great. Um, and and the fact that I'm I'm creating a ball of energy and I'm moving it with my hands was very I could relate to that. Uh, especially when I knew that my hands would get hot when someone was ill or an animal was ill. Mm-hmm. And I knew just naturally with my senses to put my hand on that animal and just send them well-being, you know, and it it's not evil to, to wish something love and well-being. And it's absurd, right? you know, this, all this, this nonsense that Reiki's evil by these Christian cults is demented. Uh, it's really using your own um, uh, tubes in your body to connect to the etheric field and to pull in that free healing energy and give it to another that can't at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the most pure gifts you can give another. And uh, so those, I don't pay any mind to those those people who want to demonize everything uh, and, and lace it with some sort of warped idea. Um, if they only tried it, they would know that it's of God, that it's pure. But obviously they don't. So same thing with the Tai Chi and all of these things that get warped. Everything's been really warped. Yeah. Um, in, in this culture. So, yeah. So the, they, um, sorry, go ahead. Well, they, even in, in uh, the traditional Chinese medicine, they call it the twisted chi. I think about this a lot because it's like in our discourse in this culture, it's like everything is so twisted. The double speak that we get, it's so confusing to parse through. Uh, you know, even these guys that are putting the Great Reset together, or Agenda 21, they make it sound so wonderful. Uh, and I mean, I'm, you know, I'm into sustainable living. I'm into all the things that they say that they're into, but it's just like the way that they want to do it. It's twisted. It's just the intention behind it is twisted, right? And and uh, and this is in traditional Chinese medicine. I mean, that's basically the root cause of disease. When the qi twists like that, that's binding and that's causing the stress, creating the the lack of the energy flow, and then you're going to end up uh, with an imbalance there with the disease vector. So, absolutely, yeah. And it's fundamental. Like what you what you're raising is a fundamental key amount of knowledge. That this is why when I I think. For my learning, when I learned traditional Chinese medicine, light bulbs were going off all over for me. Mm-hmm. I was the most passionate in that because I finally had a model that made sense for why the or how the organs actually worked together, right. um, and not from this strange um, textbooks that I would read that just have cartoons and I just right. <laughs> like you know, and specialists and topics of disease names and things. And well, I'm like, no, no, no. I love the fact that some of the acupuncture points are called like rounded mound of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just so much about what that point would do or is for. And there's a story behind it. This is, that's why it's, a, it's arts. It's a healing art. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why the practitioner is involved intimately with that system and then needs to apply that individually to the, the person that's being that's receiving healing. Right. And the other thing that fascinates me, I mean, the Western system doesn't even try to understand like human emotion. 
like, guess what, people? But we all have feelings, and they actually really drive our perception of all reality all the time. So it's kind of important. Like, maybe we should understand something about how they work. And, you know, the Chinese system is like, yeah, here's where you hold them. Here's where the tensions are. Here's where the imbalances happen. And, and then it's like, oh, okay. You know, it's just amazing that that this Western system, I mean, I just, uh, I, we talked a little bit about the arrogance of it. Like, it's so arrogant and yet has no concept that even like having emotions is important or part of life or how they work or any of that. I mean, that was the thing for me with the traditional Chinese system that was like, wow, I mean, these guys know how this works. And then of course, the psychology and then the physical healing is all then one in the same, like, you know, that was another fascinating thing about it, really understanding that, like, I hold this tension here. And these are the imbalances in my personality that are causing problems in my life, you know, and, and that it's all connected. I mean, that's the idea of, of holistic thinking, right? I mean, yes. And just to have, like in that Western system where it's completely severed, it's, it's phenomenal you know, just trying to completely objectify all of life. It takes all, it takes the fun out of it. Right. What's, what's the point? (laughs) Exactly. No wonder people are so, are so depressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant existential crisis. Yeah. (laughs) Right there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That emotional connection. I mean, that's what we are. We're emotional beings and that's, like my one of my my main spiritual teachers said it's emotion it's energy in motion and and something's trying to express and something's trying to tell you what's going on inside of you and that's supposed to be not judged it's supposed to actually be looked at but then of course they go into the psych you know uh, chair and uh that gets suppressed with really terrible drugs that ruin oh yeah lives Um, yeah that to me Right there, like that aspect of it, that psychology aspect of it showed me how sick and demented this medical system really, really is that they would do that to people and think that somehow that's helping them. That is, that means those practitioners are also mentally warped that they would think that that's somehow benefiting people. Well, isn't it fascinating? I mean, it is like a Dr. Frankenstein. Like, look what they're doing with this injecting people with mRNA vaccine. They don't have any idea what the long-term effects of these things are going to be. And they're just, I mean, it's a ultimately, it's a God complex, right? I mean, they're trying to control every last bit of, you know, everything about life. Uh, it's hubris. It's arrogance. It's ridiculous, actually. It's not... Mm-hmm. It's ne- they're never going to get away with it, and and it's um, I mean we see it with the transhumanism and the technocratic revolution that they really want to replace this emotional feeling organic experience with some kind of uh, robot that they think is going to be superior, you know, in some way. <laughs> but like... even their freaking one of their freaking robots went ballistic, right. emotionally ballistic. And tried to like suicide a bunch of people or kill people or something. So, like they, you know what I mean? So they're not gonna. It's they're, not you're gonna right, work. They're demented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not gonna work, guys. I can tell I'm you saying, that already. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, like, yeah. So that's why I don't take it seriously like that. But what you, the point you raised there about that people are willingly accepting mm-hmm. a an experimental mRNA altering, you know, shot is alarming and shows you how deep the programming has gone that they yeah. 
And there was a poll I saw yesterday and it was like 65% of people thought that they would benefit if they were genetically altered in some way. Right. So they, they think that, so they're sold that they're not good. They're terrible people, right? They're ugly or they're malformed. Original sin, right? Yeah. Yes. And that if the genetic engineer will come in and just fix that, you know, whatever. Yeah. They'll be all good again. well, I was just thinking, and and let's talk about this a little bit more. I mean, this whole concept of DNA, I've heard you discuss it in other interviews, and it's so fascinating to me that the Western, like, first of all, they seem to absolve everybody of personal responsibility. Oh, you know, you're having liver failure because it's genetic. You know, you're having heart disease because it's genetic. It's not because you ate McDonald's every day or, mm-hmm. you know, drank sodas or whatever. Or And it's just, and now they, and they've got people, I mean, I think it's part of the, the, the myth of scientism or whatever, that we're just, it's predetermined by your genes. Your personal choices don't matter. You know, so just shut up and go to work. And when you break down, you know, we'll we'll slap we'll slap you with an, an a gene altering therapy, and you'll be fine, and you can go back to work. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's some weird part of the whole thing where they're obsessed with genetics and with the DNA, and then with transforming people's DNA. Well, if they're obsessed, I mean, the crazy thing is, where did the epigenetic discussion go off to? I mean, it looked like it was gaining some good ground there for right. Uh, quite a while while I was in school. And that's even kind of funny because initially it was a total conspiracy theory. And then it was like, actually, there's just way too much, you know, (laughs) there's way too much evidence, kind of like the Wuhan lab escape theory or whatever. I mean, for the last year, they've been censoring all of us who've been talking about gain of function research. And all of a sudden, the mainstream media had to be like, well, actually, you know, well, because they play both sides of the story. That's why they do that. They right. love that. They get off on that. They oh. always invert. They'll do one story forever. And then and then you get the naysayers. And then you got to vindicate the naysayers by flipping the story. Yeah. Right. And and they ping pong to divide the people. So sure. The people hate each other. So that's right. why they do that. It doesn't so even matter. So fascinating. But that's their game. They know the psychology. That's why. They know how to play people. Yeah. So, But yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's absurd, absurd theaters, kabuki theater. That's pretty much how I, I see all of this now. And it's, but the epigenetic discussion was really important. I mean, we were talking about, hey, guess what? It's the same thing as the false germ theory thing. We're getting there with it. Like it's the terrain that determines what gene gets switched on or off. It's It's the membrane, the brain of the cell that has the power, not the DNA inside of it. The mm-hmm. DNA is switched on by the membrane activity, which is based on the milieu, which is the solution in which the cell finds itself. And that is affected by all these different microchemicals, which are, guess what? Affected by your thoughts and emotions and feelings. So, um, right. and your electromagnetic <laughs> field and all those things. So yeah. why are we tinkering, trying to tinker with what they're saying with the DNA? So maybe that's even a lie because I honestly don't believe a lick of anything that comes from these people. I really don't right down to their fake science and their, yeah. you know, fancy stories. I saw on TikTok, it was embarrassing. It was a, <laughs> a, a, a 
look, you know, when they do those like true crime and it's all fancy and like got a real professional camera work, you know, all that. And they have all these different actors in there and they had a tunnel that they had built, the government built and inside the tunnel, there was this weird event where the energy was sloshing around and whoa, and it must be aliens. Right. Cause they're pushing that agenda. Yeah. Yeah. When you have eyes to see, it's so laughable. Like, dudes it's cgi what has happened to your gullibility like that you know leads back to to what i'm I'm shocked that people don't understand the marketing i mean everything's been about marketing people understand mark you know how marketing works to a greater or lesser extent yeah and it's all one big marketing campaign after another right but still they fall for it like it's weird well and and then what's even stranger to me is that marketing is just another word for propaganda but people don't like when you try to tell them, yeah, that's corporate propaganda. Oh no, you know, that doesn't happen here. That's not happening to me. It's just marketing, you know, it's just commercials. Or I was like, yeah, that's propaganda. It's, it's all the same thing from the same guys, you know, and they don't see it. They think, yeah. That's, that's it's like your grandparents answering the phone and someone says, Hey, you know what happened? We had to freeze your bank account because something happened. I need your password to get in your banking uh you know you better give it to me now or you're gonna lose all your money and they're like okay yeah oh my god you know? <laughs> right. it's like where did you go where's your discernment it's just gone yeah i'm just gonna take a quick station break to let everyone know that this is where i made the cut for the free version of the episode get the full-length version of the podcast ad free in audio by subscribing at the shiftnow.com You can go to rockfin.com and subscribe for all premium content available on the platform to watch the video. This episode has been brought to you by Enagic Water Systems, providing ionized alkaline water straight from your tap, as well as the Freedom Era Network, which offers tools and information to make your online business a success. Find out more by clicking the store tab at www.theshiftnow.com. Enjoy the rest of the show. Cool, cool, Amanda. I think um, we've been going on for for quite a while now. Um, maybe it's time to kind of wrap it up. I wanted to ask you uh, maybe one final question, just in terms of most people that you see. It just seems like to me, is there a basic detox protocol that you recommend to people? Because so many people, you know, do have. Uh, whatever, either a history of where you were drinking or smoking or drinking coffee or just, I mean, and then of course the heavy metals with the chemtrails, or maybe you were vaccinated growing up. I mean, you know, I mean, most of us have some kind of a toxic load. And so just having that like basic uh, detox protocol that you kind of recommend to people that to help them to deal with that kind of initially. And I guess, everybody's different is but is there something that you kind of recommend uh that that really helps to kind of just uh you know clean the pipes a bit well i mean the the first thing that i will always say for people is most of them are magnesium deficient severely and Mm -hmm. you're not going to even your own endogenous waste will not come out of you properly if you are magnesium deficient Okay. So topical is the best way because you absorb it through the skin and we don't actually get enough through the gut and most people's guts are pretty wrecked. So I like, um, I actually make one DMSO and magnesium together and DMSO also will detoxify you and it will also prevent radiation damage if you use it on a regular basis. 
So um, right. that's like a, a powerful combo to, to use uh, twice a day. We didn't. And, well, you just explained the DMSO to people a little bit. We didn't. I know uh, we probably could have spent an hour on it. We didn't get into it because we got it had so so much other interesting conversation. But it's worth maybe maybe five minutes just to kind of uh, describe DMSO to people and how it's used. Well, yeah, I mean that's why I wrote a book about it because mm. there were there was so much to distill. Um, it just needs to be used appropriately, proper dilution, clean skin. Um, it's very, you don't use it full strength really very much. And, um, and you can use it internally and externally. And it's, it's from trees, it's anti-inflammatory. It assists the blood to flow properly. It uh, does grab a certain heavy metals. It will go to every tissue of the body. Um, some foods are, have DMSO in them. The sea, sea air has DMSO in it from phytoplankton. So a lot of plants and trees and stuff will, uh, do have DMSO or dimethyl sulfoxide as part of their strength of their, of their tissues. And it's a sulfur containing uh, nutrient. And so uh, we can also, there's derivative called MSM that a lot of people will know more about because it's more common to like bodybuilders and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in a crystalline form. This is in a liquid format. And um, it's great to blend with other things because it's also a carrier and it goes through the skin. So it's completely transdermal. So you can utilize things that way right you can get in you can even feed yourself ideally through the skin if you blend it with other nutrients so it, it's it's very powerful substance and it's underutilized and of course suppressed and all of that how right how all the good things are um and uh but you know so you'll see like you'll research oh let me go research dmso well what if you get any of the mainstream stuff they'll say it's dangerous or they'll whatever the same thing with colloidal silver, same thing with chlorine dioxide solution, same thing with turpentine, you know, the, everything that works well, they will demonize. So be careful when you do your research. Um, and yeah, you can use it for healing all tissues, essentially strengthens tissues um, and using it for pain. I mean, that was one of the, the first uses is um, to, to heal pain and inflammation. So like in sports medicine, it's used in horse racing, it's used all the time. Uh, to keep the athleticism up of the, you know, the racer or the, the sports person. Right. So that's sort of where it got more popular uh, initially. Yeah. All right. So, well, and so you, we, the, you deal with the magnesium deficiency and then, and then, uh, and then use the DMSO for, for the detox. You had, did you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, I would say like clays, use some clay uh, to bind. Uh, aluminum specifically, you can use diatomaceous earth, one tablespoon uh, in water for seven days on and seven days off. And then on the seven days off, you can actually use a bentonite clay detox, uh, where you actually put the tablespoon in water of the, the clay and you shake it and you leave it overnight. And then you sort of agitate the water in the morning and drink that water each day and until the clay is all done all through the week. So you just use that one, that one tablespoon all day. And it actually is like charging the water and it, and it has, it, they're aluminosilicates. So they actually have aluminum in them, <laughs> but hmm. people have no idea what, they have no clue about chemistry. They're just, they have no idea that all of the metals, there's bad versions and good versions of, of it all, right. um, depending on the chemistry and what their salts are and all of this sort of thing. So this, in this ionic way, um, those aluminum aluminosilicates will grab out aluminum in from your body. They want a second one to complete their, their stability, and then they'll be removed from the body. Um, so I really like clay. 
to do that. Um, cilantro uh, is is helpful for mercury, so you can ingest more of it in your foods. Um, and parsley, like I mentioned, will upregulate your your um, kidneys, support your kidney health. And then coffee enemas. You know, I talk about coffee enemas like yeah. all the time. Uh, that's probably one of the cheapest and easiest ways to clean up your blood and clean up your liver and um, get rid of parasites is to do the enemas and just get comfortable with it. I mean, I see people all the time. They're like, resist. They resist. I'll never do that. I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> I won't be doing that. That's my poop shoot. You know, that's a one way valve. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Whatever, they, whatever the belief system is. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you will. <laughs> right. <laughs> You'll get over it. I said, just start with distilled water. Use lots of lube on the thing. Just put some olive oil on that tip and just slide it right in there. You'll be just fine. You know? And then lo and behold, they come back and go, oh my God, that was amazing. I haven't felt that good in so many years. And then, yep. and then it's a, something they have they can always use if they're not feeling well, right? So that, those are probably some of the top ones. And then getting enough vitamin C, taking a B multi a day or making sure you've got your Bs covered. Um, I yeah. see that in a stressed out world, people are having adrenal fatigue out there. Um, you know, it's pathetically bad. I mean, I got burnt out in school, but that's how I learned, you know, what was going on with my body. But with this whole thing going on, the stress levels are just out of control, which then you, you eat stress, then you damage your gut lining, then you have more problems with your thinking because your gut's not working properly, which makes serotonin. And then it's a snowball effect. So yeah. um, if you're stressed, don't eat, you just drink water, you fast, you don't eat when stressed. Hmm. You only When you're going to eat, take three deep breaths before you're going to eat. And that will tell your brain you're safe. It's okay. We can rest and digest. Now we're allowed at least do that to stop eating while stressed. That's one of the killers. So, um, those things. And then on my, on my website, yummy.doctor, if you like type in detox videos will come up, blog articles will come up, you know, there's lots of resources that I've produced over the years that can help you go a little bit deeper into what's right for you. There's intracellular detox, extracellular detox. So it gets into you know more details and um, different ways to go about it. And um, yeah, that's, that's what, you know, learn, it's, you know, learn and, and just take it in stride. Don't be overwhelmed just start somewhere, just add in just today. I'm going to take five grams of vitamin C. Good enough. You're going to increase your glutathione right there. Your glutathione is a master. Antioxidant is going to come and sequester crap out of your, out of your body just from doing that. So it's not that hard. Actually, you just have to start. You just have to commit to something and do mm -hmm. it regularly. And then once you get comfortable with that, then you add on another thing. And so on. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Amanda. That was a great conversation. I, I just, um, I love having these conversations with health practitioners that like you've called yourself eclectic uh, that really draw from a lot of different um, health modalities and have kind of refined this, this concept of health that um, just kind of transcends the typical, you know, here's what, oh, you got this, this, this symptom, this is what you do kind of thing because it gets so, it's just so deep and it's so fun to hear. Um, and to get your perspective and health is, I mean, health is fundamental to Absolutely. our perception of our own existence, really, you know, caring, caring about being healthy, the older I get, the more important I realize that is, you know, you can't just get out there and think that you can do whatever you want and expect that it's all going to work out, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, cause it won't. <laughs> it's not that way. No. Yeah.
All right. Well, thank you, Doug. Appreciate and y- yummy.doctor.com is the website. I'll point people. No, nope, just dot .doctor. Dot, uh, doctor is the domain. Okay. Okay, great. I'll point people in that direction. And, uh, and I'll just let people know that you have been listening to The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKinty. And you can find all of my stuff at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, as well. And I'll have this posted with uh, all of Amanda Vollmer's contact information in the show notes. So it'll be easy to, to contact her and find, um, dive even deeper into, uh, into uh, her philosophy on health and life. So thanks everybody for listening. And thanks again, Amanda, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Doug. Yeah. Have a great day. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was my conversation with Amanda Vollmer, homeopathic doctor uh, and uh, doctor of all types of different kinds of modalities of medicine. Actually, it was a really interesting conversation. Um, I think the thing that I appreciated the most about her, it's really interesting because I read her book to prepare about specifically using DMSO for help. And I thought we were going to talk about supplementation and, and health uh, in terms of this very specific um, supplement. And instead, we just ended up having this more in-depth, big-picture conversation. And I was happy to go there because it was a really good time. Uh, definitely a lot of fun because uh, Amanda just has such a depth of understanding of a lot of different modalities, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, naturopathic medicine, homeopathic medicine, uh, Ayurvedic medicine, and she's able to kind of blend these all into a a big picture concept of what it means to be healthy and what it means to be a healer. Uh, The part of the conversation where we were kind of going in depth about the the patient-doctor relationship uh, and how she treats each patient individually, how she approaches uh, the art of healing with each person. Uh, I think I took a, a lot from that. Um, just so different from the typical allopathic approach where you know you're, you kind of get this feeling like you're going down the assembly line and they're just getting the list of symptoms and then here's the list of drugs that you've got to take, but instead really uh, focusing on each patient as an individual and determining the approach that it takes for each person to help them on their own road back to health. And that was another part of the conversation that uh, I wanted to bring up here at the end, which was just this very different approach. Instead of being the the doctor who's the authority, uh, she even had the the one part where she was talking about how like, you know, I don't need to do your research for you. You can do your own research. I mean, the point of health is not (laughs) to dictate uh, how to live to somebody else, it's to help the patient to awaken the desire to be healthy themselves and then to take the responsibility for themselves to make those healthy choices and live that healthy lifestyle. And this is what ultimately really eradicates disease in a person's life. You can't just pop a pill. Um, And of course, though, she does have once you make that choice, you know, the uh, the capability and the intelligence, the knowledge to then help you to um, manifest that healthy lifestyle through detoxification and supplementation and, and a lot of these uh, other routes, even uh, traditional Chinese medicine and uh, the energy the energy route. So um, fascinating. But the, the other thing that I wanted to bring up here was... Um, her real understanding of, of like we had that conversation, that part of the conversation where we talked about the, the cult-like adherence to the allopathic system, the way people just believe in it and have faith in it. Um, I think there is so much 
propaganda where people believe that science says that the allopathic system is the best or the best system of medicine that ever was. Uh, this isn't true. It's not borne out by science. If you read science, you know, oftentimes there's a lot of other options besides uh, the option that allopathic medicine sort of force feeds us uh, through the system. Uh, a lot of other options that work better in terms of, you know, treatments for a variety of diseases. And certainly, you know, instead of just covering up the symptoms, but actually understanding the cause and treating the person and not just the symptom and helping the person to uh, detoxify, live healthier, make better choices. This is what is health. A healthy person makes healthy choices, uh, not just uh, sugarcoating the symptoms with drugs that are ultimately going to be more and more toxic and cause more and more problems on down the line. Um, so I just appreciated that, uh, that, that uh, her understanding of that cult aspect and what scientism is versus real science, real evidence-based science, because so many people do have this faith in the corporate system. I think it just comes from being constantly inundated uh, with propaganda um, that will tell you, oh, science, you know, this is the best system ever, science says, um, and not really allowing the scientists that are participating in the system uh, to, to branch out, to have their own relationship, their own uh, relationship with their patients. Instead, again, people are just kind of getting shuffled through the system. The insurance companies primarily determining the treatment protocols that they'll be willing to pay for, uh, and those treatment protocols being the ones that maximize profits for the pharmaceutical companies, not necessarily um, the ones that are actually going to uh, create a, a healthier life for the patient. So a very interesting part of the conversation there. Um, yeah, I mean, and we got into it talking about genes. I've just, I'm doing enough interviews about health these days that I'm really starting to find these parallels between what alternative medical doctors say uh, typically ver compared to the allopathic system. And one of the big ones is this whole genetic thing. Uh, again, almost like uh, a patriarchal religion we discussed a little bit. Uh, everybody's born with original sin. Oh, your DNA is screwed up. You've got genetic problems. And then they don't ask you to take personal responsibility. You just have to go through the priest uh, to get to heaven, to get to the promised land. Uh, you know, go through the doctor to get the drugs that you need to keep you going to work the next day, rather than uh, being able to have that connection to your own health, to make your own choices. Um, it's not genetic, but it's epigenetic right, where your choices can actually activate healthy genes, uh, healthy gene expression rather than unhealthy gene expression. You're not just, it's not this predetermined outcome. Um, so another, uh, another kind of big picture concept that we were able to dive into and uh, just again wanting to say that that I think was what I, what I took the most out from this conversation was this, um, this almost, uh, this, this very spiritual understanding uh, of the difference between the way that the allopathic system, or as I would describe it, the patriarchal system or the colonizing system, uh, approaches healthcare, the healthcare for the masses, uh, as compared to the way uh, a naturopathic or a more individuated approach, this alternative approach to healthcare, where the doctor patient relationship is more sacrosanct, more individuated, uh, more tailored to each individual and their individual needs. Uh, these and 
this different approach to medicine that actually ultimately produces health and produces health at a at way, way lower cost uh, than one you get through the allopathic system, which has uh, basically been built, it appears, uh, to profit the pharmaceutical corporations to the to the most of their abilities uh, by putting you on dr drugs for the longest amount of times possible, never actually healing the, the core symptoms. So uh, I just want to thank Amanda for that conversation once again. Again, I really enjoyed it. A little bit more about this big, these big picture concepts than I thought, but... Um, very appropriate, and she's well capable of having that big picture conversation, so I'm glad that I did. Uh, if you want to find out more about Amanda's work, please go to yummy.doctor. That's yummy.doctor, where you can uh, find more information and find out how to contact her if you want to, uh, to take a little bit of a deeper dive into her health and wellness approach. And, uh, of course, uh, if you want to catch all the shift episodes please go to www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, and actually, the best thing to do would be to subscribe to the newsletter, and then I'll keep you up to date on everything uh, that I am producing out of Doug McKinty Studios. Um, you can also catch me on Facebook. My YouTube channel has a second strike, so I think I'm going to be moving um, pretty permanently over to Odyssey and Rockfin uh, for my video productions. I'm on SoundCloud for the audio productions, but again, go to www.theshiftnow.com, uh, sign up for the newsletter, and think about subscribing for the full feature-length episodes uh, of The Shift. But you can also catch all of my other shows, including The Psychology of Lockdown, uh, Separating Facts from the Fiction, uh, and we'll have a couple of new episodes of Beyond Politics coming out here shortly as well. The sh political show that I'm doing with Jason Bosch. I am. Uh, I will be talking with uh, Robert Wright of the American Cancer Institute coming up next week. So that'll be another health-related uh, interview. I'm looking forward to that one. And we'll be talking about all things cancer. So uh, he's got a, a really interesting book, Kill Cancer, Not People. Uh, we'll be diving deep into a lot of the cancer cures, uh, the alternative cancer cures that he is very familiar with, uh, and how to help people not just to uh, eliminate cancer if you're suffering from it, but uh, how to prevent cancer from happening in the first place if you live a healthy enough lifestyle. Again, going back to that overall health theme of you have to take charge of your own life and make responsible choices and healthy choices, and then guess what? You won't have uh, diabetes for the rest of your life, and you won't get uh, long-term uh, issues like cancer as you get older. We can live long and healthy lives uh, if we choose. Uh, the knowledge is out there. So thanks for listening to this one. Uh, Amanda Vollmer has taken us a long way down that path, and again, uh, I'll be talking to Richard Wright next week. So we'll see you then. Thanks a lot for listening, and you guys have a great day. Take care. If you are listening to this, you are listening to the first free hour of The Shift with Doug McKinty. For access to the full feature-length versions of the podcast, go to www.theshiftnow.com and subscribe for the audio version for just $6 a month. Access the full-length episodes in video form through rockfin.com by subscribing at the Shift with Doug McKinty landing page. For $9.99 a month, you gain access not only to The Shift, 
but also all other premium content material hosted on the platform. The shift is also brought to you by Enagic Water Systems, providing crystal clear ionized alkaline water straight from your tap, as well as the Freedom Era Network, delivering tools and information to help you build a successful online business. Find out more at www.theshiftnow.com backslash store. Detoxify your body, decolonize your mind, make the shift. Thanks for listening.